Is this the Owens residence? I'm Mr. Belvedere. Everybody, this is Angela Bowen, the host of Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere, a Mr. Belvedere podcast. And today, I am doing a Christmas-focused episode of Mr. Belvedere from Season 4. Season 4, Episode 8, entitled Christmas Story. Yes, just like that movie. It's Christmas time, and everyone at the Owens prefers not to do the usual tradition. And Belvedere is not exactly joyful, so Wesley does a little snooping and thinks it's because he has a lost love. So he brings her over and everyone is shocked to see who she is. This episode aired on December 18th, 1987, and it does have a 8.1 out of 10 rating based on 18 ratings. This episode was directed by Don Corbin, writers Frank Dungan, and Jeff Stein, the creators Gwen Davenport, based on the character Belvedere, created by, and Doug Steckler, it was written by. Alright, let's jump right into this episode. So we jump here into the cold open. Heather is helping Marsha with the Christmas decorations, so Marsha, excuse me, Heather is hanging the stockings up just above the chimney. Wesley's like, hey, I found it. And we look over and we see Wesley has a Christmas stocking that this is no joke. This stocking is, is, is as long as he is. Of course, Wesley's like, hey, I found this. You know, I thought this used to be bigger. Well, you probably were smaller, so it looked bigger. You know, it's kind of funny is there was a Full House Christmas episode. It might have been in season six. Yeah, it was. It was in uh, a very Tanner Christmas, I think it was, that Michelle had a, what looked like a garbage bag, a red garbage bag that had Michelle printed on it, and she wanted it hung above the fireplace. Yes, always the trope that the youngest kids get the largest stockings. And Heather kind of makes a joke like, Mom, I thought you threw that out. So I'm going to play this clip. I found it. <laughs> Mom, I thought you got rid of that. I can remember this being bigger. <laughs> so George comes through the kitchen into the living room with this large cardboard box. With the three wise men, and these three wise men, no joke, are at least two feet tall. And George is really struggling. Gosh, these things are so heavy. Like, do they have a live nativity set outside on their front lawn that these things... Because Marcia mentions that there's a, a manger that they go into. How big is this manger? Five feet tall? Because these things literally are two feet tall. And uh, George makes a joke calling them Larry, Curly, and Moe. Must have been, like, snacking on Twinkies throughout the summer because these, these things weigh, like, more than what I thought they originally did. Marcia pulls out of this box. It's got Christmas ornaments in it. She says Aunt Millie's popcorn ball. Uh, it's, like, um... It's an ornament, but it's got a bunch of popcorn balls, like, strung together with, like... Um, 
garland and, and stuff like that. It's like, ugh, how old is that? I love Wesley's comment here. He's like, oh gosh, I hate that thing. It gives me the creeps. Plus it smells bad, like Aunt Millie. And then George, of course, has to make a joke like, hey, at least it doesn't have a mustache. Like, oh my gosh, this poor Aunt Millie. I'm sure she's insufferable. So George is like, this thing's got to be at least 30 years old. And Marcia's like, oh, no, well, Aunt Millie worked really hard on this. And then she notices a piece is missing. And Wesley's like, yeah, remember last Christmas? Mr. Belvedere chipped a tooth. Okay, so last Christmas probably would have been the first Christmas with Mr. Belvedere, I imagine, right? Or maybe it was before that. Because, yeah, this is definitely not the first Christmas with Mr. Belvedere. But this is probably the first one where he's all moody and grumpy. Where do you want the three wise men? Oh, I don't know, honey. Why don't you just put them away in the manger till I figure out something to do with them? Either I'm really out of shape or Larry, mowing curly here and scarfing ding-dongs all summer. Oh, look. It's Aunt Millie's popcorn ball elf. <laughs> Creeps and it smells bad, just like Aunt Millie. <laughs> well, at least it doesn't have a mustache. <laughs> Come on, Marcia, that thing's gotta be 30 years old. I don't care. She worked hard on it. Oh, look, a piece is missing. Yeah, don't you remember last Christmas when Mr. Belvedere chipped his tooth? <laughs> oh, 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 Merry Christmas! Wow, what a big tree! Oh, not to mention heavy. Beauty, <laughs> <laughs> all right? You fit the <laughs> Model. Okay, gang, we've got a lot of work to do. Heather, I'm going to need your help trimming the banister. Wesley and Kevin, you're in charge of the outside lights. And George, here's the gift list. If there's nothing else you want dragged in from the forest, I'll be in my room. Oh, Mr. Belvedere, I, I thought we could go through the holiday cookbooks and plan Christmas dinner together. Oh, no need. I'll have everything prepared for you. So in my absence, all you'll have to do is just pop it in the oven. Oh, thank you. What do you mean, in your absence? Yeah. Aren't you going to spend Christmas here with us? Of course not, Wesley. Christmas is always my day off. <laughs> so I was noticing um, about the wise men. Marsha had said, oh, just to George, like, oh, just put them away in the manger. And it made me think for like, oh, yeah, isn't there a song like, away in the manger? Yeah, I think there is. I swear I sung that during a... A Christmas concert. I'm sure I did. Um, Belvedere and Kevin come in with the tree, and it's really nice. Marcia wastes no time assigning uh, tasks for everybody. Her and Heather are going to trim the banister, and for whatever reason, I don't know why trim makes me think, what are they going to do to the banister? But then I'm like, wait a minute, no, trim like dress it up, like, put, like, maybe garland through the, um, through the slats of the banister. Okay. Um, and then she's got Belvedere, you know, with the Christmas dinner, because he's gonna, he says, if you guys don't need me, I'm gonna be in my room. And he says, well, you always give me Christmas Day off, you know, in my absence, I'll have prepared 
everything, all the food, so you don't need to worry about it. Because Marshall's like, oh, I thought we could go through the cookbooks. He's like, oh, don't worry, don't worry, I got that. That's going to be taken care of. I'll do all of that. You know, Christmas is my day off. And everyone's kind of looking at Mr. Bumpy, like, well, wait a minute. Because he clearly, this is not his first Christmas with the Owens family. So, something's going on with him. I mean, we don't know what last Christmas was like. Apparently, it must have been pretty decent, I guess. But, I don't know. We weren't there for it. So, we come out of the opening, and Marsha, George, and Heather are all sitting on the couch as Marsha is reading from a Christmas card. I don't know who it's from, but apparently their St. Bernard jumped over a fence. Or was it the Chihuahua? One of... I, I, it's gotta be the St. Bernard jumping over the fence. And, um, he impregnated a chihuahua. So these people are like, if you know anyone that wants a half chihuahua, half St. Bernard, as Marcia says this, she kind of, like, grips George's arm like she can't even imagine. No way in hell! No way in hell those puppies would be alive. I mean, if it were a male chihuahua and a female sip, ooh, I don't know how that would even work. That dog would have to be laying, I don't even think that could work. That is like, you take a small itty bitty teeny dog and a large mondo sized dog and put them together, their skeletal structure is not gonna, it's not gonna even out. That just, just. I'm going to look that up and see if there's even such a thing as that, because I don't think there is. Well, I looked it up. I mean, I guess it could be possible if the female is St. Bernard and the male is a Chihuahua. There's even a, a forum or something about people who are saying, well, it could probably be done artificially, like, what do they call those, not test tube babies, but in a Petri dish or something to that effect? I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. I am playing this clip because they sent, these people sent a picture of the puppies and George takes one look and he's like, oh, <laughs> they must be really ugly. That in November, our neighbor's dog, Gunther, jumped over the fence and got our little Charo in the family way. So if you know anyone who would like an adorable puppy, half St. Bernard, half Chihuahua, during that clip it's because George is like looking at the photo of these puppies like oh my god his eyes bought like literally bug out of his head like he's seeing like an alien with three heads or something like that <laughs> um Heather opens up a Christmas card from the Huffnagels, who are the next-door neighbors you hear these people you ne you hear about them but you never see them um, and it seems like they all have H names. Homer Huffnagel, the father. You have Howie Huffnagel, who's supposedly Wesley's best friend. And, uh, Holly Huffnagel, who Wesley once played doctor with, supposedly. 
and I thought the mother's name was like Hortense or something like that. Um, but Heather opens up a card from them. And she's like, oh, there's $20 in here. And Marcia's like, oh, no, honey, that's just a bribe that they give us $20 to keep Wesley out of their yard. Because it seems like Wesley is always tormenting the Huffnagels. So Balvedere comes in with Christmas cookies and... Uh, George is like, oh, are you going to have a Christmas cookie with us? And Belvedere's like, well, no, I know what's in them. And George gets this look on his face like he's uh, kind of afraid to take a bite of this cookie. And Marshall's like, Mr. Belvedere, won't you change your mind about spending the holidays with us? I mean, you, you just, you, it feels like you're one of the family. He's like, I'm sorry I have made other plans. George even makes a comment like, oh, do you got a date with one of Santa's helpers? <laughs> and it's like, no. Belvedere, he just likes spending the holiday by himself. That's his thing. So Belvedere leaves, and George and Heather are kind of speculating, like, oh, I wonder what he does when he's not, you know, I mean, George is like, well, he's not getting, I don't pay him for Christmas because he's not working. And Heather kind of is like, I bet he dresses up as Santa and gives uh, toys to little kids. Like, come on, Heather, you really think Belvedere, that's his shtick? I don't think it is. Here we are. Christmas cookies as requested. Don't eat the gingerbread Kino girl, that's for Wesley. Mmm, <laughs> hey, Mr. Belvedere, these are really good. Mm. Aren't you going to have one, big guy? I would, but then I know what's in them. <laughs> Belvedere, are you sure you won't change your mind and spend the holiday with us? I'm afraid I've made other plans. Oh, yeah? You got a hot date with one of Santa's helpers? <laughs> the thing is, you're, you're so much a part of the family. Well, we all have our Christmas traditions, and mine is to spend it alone. I wonder what the big guy does all by himself. I don't know. Maybe he just likes to have Christmas off. I don't know why. I don't pay him for it. <laughs> hey, I know. I bet he dresses up like Santa and hands out toys to the needy kids at the orphanage. Nah. <laughs> so, yeah, Heather thinks that Mr. Belvedere dresses up like Santa, hands out presents to kids in an orphanage. And then they're like, nah. Yeah, they know Mr. Belvedere. He's, he's not about all that. Wesley comes down and they're like, what are you wearing on your head, Wes? And he's like, oh, well, I've thought a lot about it, and I'm thinking of changing religions. I'm going to be Jewish. Wesley, that would be so offensive in today's world. That would be so offensive. You can't just change just automatically. I'm going to be Jewish. You can't do that. You can't convert. So I'm going to play this clip. Like, the family's not about this at all. Like, son, go upstairs, take the yarmulke off, and just come down here and just be yourself. <laughs> hey, Wes! Wesley, what are you wearing? It's a yarmulke. I just want you all to know, I've thought a lot about it, and I've decided to become Jewish. <laughs> Wesley, you don't just become Jewish. Sammy Davis Jr. did. <laughs> Tell me, Wesley, did this sudden conversion have anything to do with the eight days of Hanukkah and the eight days of gifts that come with it? I thought it was mine. <laughs> so much for spiritual callings. Well, we'll be at the mall. Yeah. Shalom, Wes. You know, it wasn't until Belvedere, just before he said that, that that kind of did make me think, like, wait a minute. 
Christmas and presents, Hanukkah, eight days of, yes, that is why. And Belvedere is holding some gifts, and he, he calls Wesley out, like, oh, would this have anything to do with Hanukkah and the eight days of gifts? And Wesley's like, oh, I thought it was nine. And Marcia even says, Wesley's like, you can't just become Jewish. And Wesley is, is like, well, Sammy Davis Jr. did. I don't know anything about Sammy Davis Jr. I don't know any about that and how he he did what he did. So even that probably in today's world would be semi-offensive. I don't know. But now um, George and Marcia looks like in Eve and Heather, of course, are heading to the mall back in the day when it was fun to go to the mall. And now we get to the house. Kevin is coming through the kitchen while Belvedere is... It looks like he's making more Christmas cookies. Speaking of those, Jeremy is going to be making Christmas cookies because... As this uh, one older lady at work had asked him, like, are you going to give me... You know, he always brings her one Christmas cookie, which is nice of him. So, yes, I don't partake in the Christmas cookie making. That's Jeremy's thing. Plus, it's a long and arduous process. So, but then again, I mean, I'm not making them, so maybe it's not. But that's Jeremy's thing. So, yay for me, because I love Christmas cookies. I just don't want to help make them. <laughs> Christmas spirit? Oh, really? Who? You. I mean, making all these cookies, wiping up the crumbs with your little poinsettia tea towel. <laughs> Christmas won't be the same here without you. I think you should stay. Why? So I can go. <laughs> it's just, there's a bunch of sorority girls, and they're renting a condo in the Poconos, and there's this girl I really like, and she kind of likes me, but there's this other guy that she likes too, and he's going, so if I don't and he does, then they will. Not at all. Look, it's just if I'm not here for Christmas dinner, it's gonna break Mom's heart. But if you're here, me being gone won't seem so obvious. You could even sit in my chair. Oh, goody. Can I weigh you a bit, too? Look, Kevin, I don't think your mother would consider me a suitable substitute for her eldest son. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Besides, if you're not here, who's gonna spill eggnog on your father? <laughs> So, <laughs> I get Kevin's thing here. He's trying to butter up Belvedere. Like, oh, you got these Christmas cookies here that you're making. You're really getting into the Christmas spirit with your uh, little dish rag that's got the poinsettias on it. And, oh, um, I think you should stay for the Christmas dinner for the holidays. And Belvedere is like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And Kevin's like, well, the thing is, if you stay, I can go. It won't be so hard on Mom if I'm not here if she has you here. You can even sit in my chair. Kevin's reason for wanting to leave is because some sorority because Kevin is in college, some sorority girls are renting a cabin or a mod ski lodge in the Poconos. There's a girl that likes Kevin supposedly, and he likes her. Yeah, there's this other guy that this girl likes and um, if Kevin doesn't go this guy's gonna go he's gonna go anyway and then those two will hit it off and get together Kevin um how about this 
If there's a girl that you think likes you and you like her, but she also likes someone else, don't fucking bother wasting your time. I'm not saying that to put down Kevin. He's a great dude, but if a girl has to choose between one guy and another, is it really honestly worth it to put yourself out there just to be hurt? I don't know. So Belvedere kind of tells Kevin, like, hey, I really don't think me is going to be a good substitution for your mother's oldest son. And who's going to spill eggnog all over your father, if not you? So, sorry. We get to the living room, and Wesley is dressed up in a long-sleeved white button-up shirt with a little black bow tie, black suspenders, and he's got his yarmulke on. And he's singing the dreidel song, which Jeremy plays that South Park dreidel song every time around this year. Oh my goodness. straight. As he's coming down the stairs, he's got his candle... I don't even think it's a menorah, really. And he's got a um, a cloth, maybe, that might go underneath it. I don't know the customs. Um, but yeah, George and Marsha are like, you are just using this as a way to get more presents than what you really need. And how he's just... George does actually know a little bit about what Hanukkah is and why it's celebrated by uh, the Jewish community. Wesley's like, oh, well, Joey Goldstein or whatever is three presents ahead of me. It's like, yeah, but that's his faith. So, that, that it would be... If you were to do, you know how offensive that would be now? I know I keep bringing up offensive, but that's just, luckily, Marsha just tells him, like, you need to knock this off, or you will wind up celebrating nothing because you're going to be in your room, and you are not getting any presents this year, so stop. And George got his little history facts from uh, Sandy Koufax, so... Now we move to Mr. Belvedere's room. It looks like he's um making sure this uh this little watch on a chain works. Is that what that is? Because he's holding it up to his ear. It's cracked. What? The glass on your watch. It's cracked. Thank you for telling me. So how is our littlest rabbi doing? <laughs> 
Mom and Dad think I'm a greedy pig. That doesn't sound very kosher. So anyway, uh, what do you want for Christmas? How about my room to myself? Well, I know I could get you a new watch. I already have one. Then I'll get the old one fixed. I like it the way it is. You know, I'm up here trying to have the true spirit of Christmas, and you're sure not being very cooperative. Goodbye, Wesley. You know, bah humbug to you, too. So Wesley enters Belvedere's room. He's still wearing the yarmulke, and Belvedere makes a joke about how is our little rabbi doing? And I guess... Well, the thing is, Marcia also mentioned about you need to, Wesley, you need to start thinking about giving of yourself rather than getting things. So, Wesley takes it upon himself because he notices that the the glass of that little watch on a chain that Belvedere is holding up is cracked. He's Wesley's like, hey, I can buy you a new watch. Belvedere's like, I like the one I have. He, and Wesley tells him, well, I can get the old one fixed. And he's like, no. Wesley, that's fine. And Wesley just like, oh, bah humbug to you, because, like, just let the man have peace and quiet in his room. That's what he wants. Let's let him have it. But being Wesley, he likes to pry into things. But now we move downstairs to the living room. Marcia is wrapping a gift on the couch. There's a coffee table right in front of you. Use that. It's a sturdy thing to you. I would use the floor. I normally use the floor. We don't. We do have a table, but it's got a bunch of stuff on it. Um, <laughs> but still, I don't know. Is a couch really sturdy enough to wrap a gift? Maybe it is. So Kevin looks like he's coming down the stairs, and he's going to break the news about how he wants to go on a ski trip. Yeah, Marcia's going to veto that idea before he even finishes uh, telling her what it is, I bet. Oh, no, look, I'm wrapping your present from Santa. Oh, don't worry, I won't look. <laughs> oh, come on. Now, it wasn't that long ago that you still believed in Santa Claus. Mom. In fact, I still remember the day that you gave Johnny Kruger a black eye for saying that Santa wasn't real. No, Mom, that was the day he told me Dad was a tooth fairy. Oh. <laughs> Oh, sure. Mom, can I ask you a question? It's kind of important. Oh, honey, anything you want to get me is fine. Huh? You know, the greatest gift any mother can have is just to have her family together at Christmas. Yeah, well, what if one of the members of that family wanted to go skiing instead? Hmm? <laughs> well, it's just the Alpha Fees have got this place up in the mountains, and I was kind of thinking I'd like to go. Oh, I see. Well, you're 19 years old. You're old enough to make your own decisions. So uh, if you would prefer to spend Christmas with your friends rather than with your own family, that's perfectly all right with me. It is? <laughs> So I like this here, how Marsha, you know, Kevin's already to tell her about, you know, wanting to ski at the ski lodge, and <laughs> she's bringing up all these things about how, because she's wrapping Kevin's gift, well, it's pretty much wrapped anyway, and 
she tells him how I remember you gave so-and-so a black eye when you were a kid because he told you Santa Claus wasn't real. And Kevin's like, no, actually, that was him telling me that Dad was the Tooth Fairy. How would that kid know? Weird. Um, and Marsha's like, oh, you don't, you know, whatever you get me is going to be fine. The greatest gift would be to me, of course, my whole family sitting down to Christmas dinner and enjoying the holidays together. Now Kevin's like, oh, shit. Um, well, I want to talk about that. Um, what if said family member was not at Christmas dinner, but instead that family member wanted to go skiing? And Marsha, she guilt him. She does guilt him. Like, oh, well, you're 19 now, and you're old enough to make your own decisions. And the meanwhile, while she's saying all of this, she has his finger kind of holding down so she can kind of do the bow. You know, uh, tie, tie, tie off the, the string, the bow. And she, like, pulls it really tightly while his finger's in. Like, ah, you're hurting my finger. So, uh, yeah, that's up to Kevin. Um, I thought she was gonna say, you're 19, you're old enough to make your own decisions, so, no, you're staying home. No, but she's like, you know, you're old enough to do what you want to do. If you'd rather spend your holidays hanging out with college kids instead of your own family, that's your prerogative, I guess. So we move on to the next scene. We have... Wesley and Heather are going into Mr. Belvedere's room again. My guess is he's not in there. Like, they're sneaking in there. <laughs> you want to blow the whole operation? Uh, well, you kind of can forget about getting my own phone for Christmas. You can forget about it anyway. I peek. <laughs> inscription inside to my dearest Lynn December 1941 loved Pamela wow Mr. Belvedere must have had a girlfriend yeah now I think I know why he doesn't like Christmas so when they sneak into his room of course Heather knocks into his chair that's by his desk, and Wesley's like, Shh, you want to blow the whole operation? And Heather's worried, like, if they get caught, then she's not going to get her own phone, and Wesley's like, oh, well, you can not count on that phone, because I already checked. You're not getting it, so. Wesley goes to the trunk at the foot of Belvedere's bed, pulls out where the watch on a chain is, and basically they want to get it fixed. They want to get the uh, glass that's been cracked. They want to get it replaced. There's a letter from December 1941. And they think that Mr. Belvedere has a girlfriend that they had a falling out if he writes a letter. So I'm going to play this clip as they're kind of reading it. My brother Reginald has been called up to the army. I must take care of his children. Leaving London tonight for Sheffield. With this Christmas gift, remember me and our time together. God bless you and keep you safe from harm. Love, Pamela. P.S. Did you finish the peanut brittle? <laughs> What's the matter? What are you crying about? That. 
magically beautiful. Huh? Oh, Wes, this Pamela was the great love of Mr. Belvedere's life. I thought it was Oreos. <laughs> I mean, it was during that black and white war you see on PBS all the time. Mr. Belvedere was a dashing cavalry officer, and she was this beautiful young daughter of the Duke of Earl or somebody, and, and they were going to be married. But the war came, and Mr. Belvedere went off to be a hero. And when he came back, he couldn't find her. And she thought he was dead. So she became a nun, and their love could never be. And that is why Mr. Belvedere hates Christmas. <laughs> that makes sense. So, basically what the letter is saying from what Wesley's reading is this woman had to take care of her brother's kids and she was leaving London for Sheffield. Of course, she tells him, P.S. Did you eat the peanut brittle? And, oh, okay, so that's an, that's an interesting indication that Belvedere liked to eat, you know, sweets and snacks even, even then. Heather concocts this weird story that has nothing to do with that letter. And she's saying about, oh, Belvedere uh, had to go fight in the war, and he was in love with this girl who was the daughter of a duke. And the girl became a nun, and that's the tragic backstory of Belvedere's love, lost love. And it's like, Heather, you've been watching too many PBS specials. Downton Abbey was not even a thing yet, and I love Downton Abbey. I bet Heather would like Downton Abbey too, but it didn't exist then. Um, <laughs> Because the whole time that Wesley's reading that letter, she's like... <laughs> Like, getting choked up. I mean, yeah, it's kind of sad, but the fact that they indicate that this could be a lost love, we don't know that. We don't know that it could be an old girlfriend of Belvedere's. It could be somebody else, a family member, maybe. Who knows? Now it looks like, um, in the next scene, Heather and Wesley are in the kitchen. And Wesley's on the phone. So Heather's like, Wesley, get off the phone. I gotta call Angela, my friend. Not me. Um, and he's like, no, I can't. I'm talking to Sheffield. He's calling London. He's calling Sheffield. Do you know how the hell expensive that is? I was a teenager back when long distance was 30 miles away or 20 miles away. That was expensive. I can't even believe what their phone bill is probably going to be. Damn it, Wesley. Can't you just write her a letter? Because he's trying to track down Belvedere's supposed old girlfriend. Because that letter is from 1941. Come on, Wes, get off the phone. I have to call Angela. You can't. I'm talking to Sheffield. You mean like in England? Yeah. I'm trying to find Mr. Belvedere's girlfriend. You're crazy. All that stuff happened over 40 years ago. So? So you can't just pick up the phone and expect her to be there. Grow up. <laughs> Hello, is this Miss Pamela Kent? It is? <laughs> well, uh, do you remember a guy named Lynn Belvedere? You do? So listen, uh, you ever been to Pittsburgh? So Heather pretty much tells him, like, you just can't call England and expect to find this Pamela Kent girl, this lady. And Heather leaves after chastising Wesley, and Wesley's like, oh, hi, is this Pamela Kent? Did you happen to know, do you happen to know uh, Lynn Belvedere from like 40 plus years ago? And he's like, you do? And then he asks, 
Have you ever been to Pittsburgh? Like, okay, so he's setting this up. Where's the money going to come from to to pay for her ticket? Or is she just going to pay for her own ticket? All right, so now we go to the living room, and somebody is getting a nice blue bike, whether it's Kevin or Wesley. Kevin's got a car. He doesn't need a bike. It's got to be Wesley's bike. This bike is huge. It's one of those 10-speed type bikes. It's even got a water bottle attached to it. Wow. Oh, it's one of those bikes that you actually have to put together. So George must have just gotten a box that had bike parts and put the bike together because he's putting the seat up. And I love how it's got like red streamers woven into the spokes of the wheels. That's pretty cool. I'm going to play this clip. Apparently this bike is not for Wesley as Belvedere comes down. He's like, I thought Wesley already had a bike. And George is like, no, this is for Marsha. She said she wants a bike because her butt is starting to droop. Well, you're in your late 30s. Your ass is not, especially I'm sure if you had kids, your ass is not going to look the same as it did when you were in your 20s. Pre-children. Pre-childbirth. You gotta work to keep that ass in shape, I guess. (laughs) Still at it. I don't believe this. The guy at the store told me this thing was so easy to assemble, even a monkey could do it. Maybe you should hire one. Anyway, I thought that Wesley already had a bike. Oh, no, this is for Marcia. She says she needs it because her butt's starting to droop. Well, it happens to the best of us. Good night. Hey, uh, Belvedere. Yeah. Did you say anything to Wes? Well, I mean about Christmas. One minute he's hocking me for all the stuff he wants. The next thing I know, he's saying, don't get him anything. All he cares about is something he's getting somebody else. I didn't do anything. Maybe the boy simply had a sudden burst of humanity. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) Do you know we're standing under the mistletoe? (laughs) Don't even think about it. So, George asked Belvedere if he said anything to Wesley about uh, Christmas and stuff. Because, you know, he says, one minute Wesley's hawking for me for gifts. Like, wanting to get as many gifts as possible with this whole Hanukkah thing and the becoming Jewish. And now he just says, don't get him anything because he's getting something for somebody else. And George makes... <laughs> because uh, Belvedere decides to head to, you know, head to bed. And... George is like, oh, we're standing under the mistletoe. (laughs) Why would you bring that up, George? And Belvedere just gives him this look like, don't, don't even think about it. Now we head to the next scene. Is this Christmas morning? Because Heather is shaking again. Who hasn't done that with gifts? Like I said, to, to shake the gift to see if you can guess what's inside. Are those her gifts that she's shaking or somebody else's? (laughs) Of course, Kevin catches her as he's bringing down a gift and he's screaming, Mom! Heather's snooping under the tree! (laughs) Hey, Mom, Heather's snooping under the tree! Hey, look, Mom, look, it's my phone! You relax, I'm just kidding. Merry Christmas. What are you giving it to me now for? Well, it's Christmas Eve day. It's kind of a neat gift. I want to see your face when you open it. Well, why can't you see my face tomorrow? Because I won't be here tomorrow. Huh? I'm going on a ski trip. What? Hi, guys. 
Right. Hey, Mom, did you tell Kevin he could go skiing on Christmas? No. I told him it was his decision. But how come he gets to go away and I can't go with Angela and celebrate Christmas in the Bahamas? Heather, only Perry Como celebrates Christmas in the Bahamas. Yeah, well, that's not fair. Oh, honey, you have to understand. Your brother doesn't mean to be a jerk, but he's a man. And sometimes men get these overwhelming urges to be thoughtless and sensitive and selfish. It must be the same genetic deficiency that makes them play golf. <laughs> so, Kevin... Kevin gives Heather her gift and she's like, why don't you give it to me tomorrow so you can see my face when I open it? And he's like, well, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. She's like, what are you talking about? He says, well, I'm going skiing. And Heather has a little fit. She's like, Mom, what are you talking? Kevin says he's going skiing on Christmas Day, yet I can't go with my friend to the Bahamas. And Marcia tells her, Heather, only Perry Como goes spent and spends Christmas in the Bahamas. And then she starts in about how Kevin is just a man. He's just being selfish and thoughtless and this and that and blah 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 because she said it was his decision to make. She's really guilting him into trying to stay. And George comes back from the mall like good god. That was crazy. It's Christmas Eve. Of course it's going to be nuts out there. All those people that wait till the last minute to get their gifts. Who the hell waits till Christmas fucking Eve? I'm sorry. Who? He said it even took him, it took him an hour, an hour to find a place to park. So basically he kept must have kept circling the lot until someone fucking pulled out of the parking spot so he could take it. Holy shit. Boy, that mall's a matter. It took me an hour just to find a place to park. <laughs> well, fine. If Christmas is such a hassle for everybody, why don't we just forget the whole thing? Huh? What's the matter? Mom's all bent out of shape because Kevin is spending Christmas in the Poconos. What? You know, at least I'm not trying to spend Christmas in the Bahamas. <laughs> hey, look, I'll settle this. You're grounded. Both of you. Ha-ha. <laughs> oh, great, Heather. I'll just take my phone back. Oh, come on, Kevin, give it back. No, Stop it, you two. Hey, hey. If, if this is the way Christmas is going to be around here, maybe we should forget it. Hey, you want to go to the Poconos? Go to the Poconos. You want to go to the Bahamas? Start swimming. <laughs> Hell, I may as well go to work tomorrow. There's no reason I hang around here. Fine. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. <laughs> What a bunch of fucking Grinches. <laughs> so, Marsha's all up on, like, oh, fine, if everyone's gonna act like this, then we may as well forget the whole thing. It's like, and George is surprised, like, dude, I just walked in the door. What the hell is going on here? And they're all like, well, Kevin wants to go to the Poconos to go skiing, and, and Kevin's like, well, Heather wants to go to the Bahamas. And it's just, like... Oh, this family, man. This family. Oh, and George is like, well, you know what? Fine, I'll settle this. You're both grounded. And they're like, what? So, Kevin's like, fine, I'll take my phone back here. And Heather and Kevin get into a grabbing match over this gift that he's supposed to give her. And Marcia just jumps right in because Kevin's on the couch and Heather is like hanging like over the back of it trying to get the gift. And Marcia just... Like, bends over, grabs a gift, pulls it out of their hands, 
And like, just, what is with you two? Seriously, if this is how it's going to be, we may as well just cancel Christmas. And George is like, fine, you want to go to the Poconos? Start packing. You want to go to the Bahamas? Well, you can start swimming. And <laughs> just seriously, what the heck? And he's like, well, I may as well go to work tomorrow because what the heck? It's better than hang around here. And then the family is surprised when old Wesley comes down the stairs singing, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. La la, he's skipping along into the kitchen and they're all looking at him. They're all pissed off as hell. Like, what the fuck is so, is he so damn happy about? So, Marsha, Kevin, and Heather are all sitting on the couch all pissed off and all grumbling sad sack faces George comes into the house from outside he's got a box filled with Christmas lights and Marshall's like well what's that all about and he's like yeah I just took all the Christmas lights out he was serious about this oh my gosh I guess Marsha's Marcia, not getting that bike what's that it's the Christmas lights I took them all down Already? Sure. I figure our Christmas is over. Why wait till August? <laughs> so Heather just looks at her dad in surprise, like, already? You took them down already? And he's like, yeah, why wait till August? He was really, I thought that was an idle threat. Like, oh, well, Christmas is canceled. I'm just going to go and remove the lights. He didn't even say anything about removing the lights. He just comes in and like, oh, took all the lights down. Like, jeez. So Belvedere comes down dressed in his coat and his scarf, and he is off to the movies. Like, I won't see you guys tomorrow, but Merry Christmas. And now we got Marsha on the end of the couch. We got George in the middle. And Heather's on the other side of the couch with her chin in her hand. Just, ugh, sucks. Oh my gosh, they actually put up Wesley's giant scarf. I mean, stocking. Why did I say scarf? I'm sorry. Well, I'm off to the movies. And since I won't be seeing you tomorrow, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. Practicing Silent Night, are we? It's okay, big guy. We'll see you later. Hey, where are you going? Oh, I'm leaving, Wesley. Have a nice Christmas. Huh? But you can't go yet. Oh, don't worry, Wesley. Your present is under the tree. It's the ticking one, marked open me first. I don't care about my present. I just want to give you yours. Uh, it's not here yet. It's, it's, uh, it's important. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure whatever it is, it can wait. No, she won't. She? What are you talking about, Wesley? Pamela Kent, your one true love. What? It's just I wanted to get you something special, so I snuck up to your room to get your watch fixed, and that's when I found out about Pamela and why you don't like Christmas. Oh, Wesley. When you jump to conclusions, you don't fool around. Well... Heather helped. <laughs> Mr. Belvedere, who's Pamela Kent? Oh, just a friend I knew during the war. You mean you two weren't in love? Well, we were very fond of each other. But then, those were extraordinary times. Anyway, it would never have worked out. 
Why not? Well, for one thing, she's 20 years older than I. She's what? Uh, 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 don't answer that. Hi, can I help you? Lynn? So Belvedere just kind of looks at the family like, why are you all just sitting there on the couch? Are you practicing Silent Night? And they're like, no, no, we'll just be here. Bye. As Belvedere's going to the movies. And then Wesley comes out of the kitchen like, oh my gosh, where are you going, Mr. Belvedere? You can't leave right now. And Mr. Belvedere says, Wesley, don't worry. Your gifts are under the tree. It's the one that is ticking. And it says, open me first. <laughs> he makes a joke about a bomb. He gave Wesley a bomb. For, no, he didn't. Um, and Wesley tells him, well, you can't leave because I got something for you. And he's like, oh, well, whatever it is, it can wait. And he, and Wesley's no, she can't. And Belvere's like, she? And, and the whole family is like, what's going on? So Bel- um, Wesley mentions how he wanted to get um, Belvedere's watch fixed and he came across this old supposed love letter and that Heather helped and they were able to contact Pamela Kent and track her down and Belvedere kind of tells him like that was a long time ago and it just it never would have worked out she's like 20 years older than I am there's a knock at the door, and Wesley's like, oh, don't, don't get that. And Kevin's like, I'll open the door. And the woman looks at Kevin like, oh, Lynn, is that you? And Kevin's like, uh, n- no, he, that's Mr. Belvedere's right there. So now we have Belvedere and Pamela Kent sitting down. Sitting in the kitchen, drinking tea. So... Long time no see. Yes, quite. You're, you're certainly looking very well. Oh, thank you. I, I play bingo three times a week at Twickham Hall. Oh, yes, well, that would keep anybody fit. So... The the little boy promised you'd introduce me to Larry Hagman. (laughs) Oh, Mm Tata. Then, in 1964, Jeffrey left me for this shop girl on Carnaby Street. The swine. back to Sheffield and tended my garden and that's where I've been ever since. Mm, I see. But, but I don't mind. I have my grandchildren to keep me warm in the winter and every spring I take a holiday in Spain. <laughs> of course, it's mostly for the sangria. <laughs> yeah, yes, I often take holidays in Hershey. <laughs> but then again, it's mostly for the kisses. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is there anything wrong? No. It's the way you looked at me just now when you smiled. It reminded me of that 
afternoon during the blitz when the bombs were falling and, and they evacuated the Park, Hyde Park Hotel. You threw me over your shoulder and whisked me up the fire escape to the Queen <laughs> Anne suite. If I remember correctly, that was quite an afternoon. So, Belvedere and, um, uh, no, I forget her. Pamela Kent, I'll just call her Pamela. Uh, they, you know, get reacquainted and everything, and she mentions about, uh, what she's been doing this whole time. And they eventually move on from tea to some nice wine. She says how, you know, her husband left her for some girl from some place. And how she's got her grandkids, so she probably... I'm guessing that if she were, you know, married and had kids and everything, then the husband left her and then she still got her grandkids. She vacations in Spain, but of course she goes just for the sangria. And Belvedere, of course, mentions how he vacations in Hershey, Hershey, Pennsylvania. He's like, but I mainly go for the kisses. And he goes to the Hershey Chocolate Factory. And <laughs> um, she... Pamela kind of mentions how the way that he kind of smiled at her and she brings up the time that during the Blitz in London how he had um, carried her over his shoulder whisked her up to on the fire escape to the Queen Anne at the Hyde Park Hotel and how they had an afternoon together and so did he have a tryst with this woman? I mean, if she's 20 years older, I mean, if Belvedere's in his, like, late 40s or something like this, woman's got to be, like, in her late 60s or something to that effect. So, yeah, just, you know, reminiscing about old good times and the family's in the living room kind of, like, wondering, like, should we go in there? Like, why? Just let them visit. <laughs> Do you think I should go in there and make sure everything's okay? I don't know. They've been in there almost an hour. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs> I haven't laughed this hard since you bared your backside to that German dive bomber. <laughs> you mooned a Messerschmitt? <laughs> we were low on ammo. <laughs> so... You guys are getting along okay? Yes, Wesley. It simply took us a little time to get reacquainted. Yes, and it was so kind of you to bring us back together. You know, your son is a very thoughtful and generous young man. Yeah, we know. I especially like flying first class. <laughs> well, uh, now that you two are back together again, does this mean you don't hate Christmas? Oh, I never hated Christmas, Wesley. But I thought you... No, it's just thinking about Pamela and the friends I'd lost during the war. Christmas has always seemed a little bit sad to me. Except for this one. <laughs> it's my hate fever. <clears throat> the snow brings it on. Yeah, I think I got the same thing. I think we all do. Now, if you good people would be kind enough to excuse us, 
Lynn has promised to treat me to a Christmas dinner at the best hotel in Pittsburgh. <laughs> we may even try to relive some of the high points of the Blitz. <laughs> well, bombs away. <laughs> Good night, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Look, uh, I know I haven't exactly been Chris Kringle lately, but I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart. Well, Merry Christmas, Belvedere. <laughs> Settle down, Pamela. So, Belvedere and Pamela come out of the kitchen. They're just laughing up a storm. They're having a great time reminiscing about old times. And, um, because eventually Marsha thinks, like, maybe, you know, before they came into the living room that they, uh, she should go in there and check on them because they've been in there. They have a lot of time to catch up on George. Come on now. Just because they've been in there an hour. Let them have their time together. But no, they come out, you know, laughing and everything, having a great, you know, time and just reminiscing. And I guess Wesley had, um, booked Pamela on a first class light as we see George put his head in his hands like oh my god and from England of all places yeah that's gonna be expensive enough just because you know it's an international flight but you top on first class I don't even want to know how much that would have been back then <laughs> let alone how much it would be now and um so they uh, Belvedere and Pamela decide to have Christmas dinner at one of the greatest hotels in Pittsburgh and relive old time, relive times during the Blitz. Uh, but before they leave, Wesley's like, I hope that you feel better, Mr. Belvedere, that you're not so sad about Christmas or that you don't hate Christmas anymore. And Belvedere explains, like, Wesley, I, I didn't hate Christmas. It's just, it just, it brings on a sad time for me. You know, I lost a lot of you know, friends and comrades during that war, and it's just, it's just hard. And we see Marsha and George and Heather all blowing their noses. And of course, George is like, oh, it's my, uh, my hay fever. And Wesley, that's kind of sweet. He's like, oh yeah, Dad, I, I think I have the same thing. It's like, oh, yeah, they're all affected by that story. It's just, you know, sad that, you know, that time around Christmas, you know, he lost a lot of friends during the war and, and everything, so it's been hard. You know, Christmas, even though it's supposed to be a joyous time of year, it can be hard for some people, especially if they've lost either friends or family members. It's 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 hard. So it's, it's good to, you know, have friends or people that can help you make it you know, the Christmas time not be, feel so bad and feel, you know, not feel so rough. Just, yeah. So, <laughs> Belvedere says, um, all of you have a happy Merry Christmas and so does Pamela. She heads out the door before Belvedere and Belvedere turns to go as he opens the door. Hit, Belvedere gets hit in the face by a snowball. And he's like, calm down there, Pamela. Kev, if you're... Heading up to the Poconos, you better get started. It's getting late. Nah. I think I'll just stick around here. Yeah, me too. I don't like swimming in the dock anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as long as we're all staying, why don't we open up some prisons? Yeah. 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 Wow. 
Merry Christmas, Marcia. I put it together myself. <laughs> Honey, it's the best job you've ever done. <laughs> So George says, well, Kevin, if you want to go up to the Poconos, you might want to get started. And Kevin's like, you know, no, nah, I'm going to hang out here with you guys. And of course, Heather's got to say, like, yeah, you know, I didn't want to swim in the dark. You weren't going to be going to the Bahamas, sweetie. So you just don't, <laughs> you just stay with your family, okay? <laughs> so Wesley's like, hey, since we're all here, why don't we open up some presents? And the family does. And George wheels out Marcia's bike. I love how it's got like red streamers woven through the spokes of the fir the front wheel and then green ones for the back. And he says that, you know, he put it together and Marcia's like, oh, honey, this is so sweet. You know that you, you put this together for me. This is the best thing you have, you've ever put together. All right, let's hear what Mr. Belvedere has to say about this Christmas episode. Pamela is safely back home in Sheffield. When we parted, we promised to meet again in another 40 years. <laughs> the Owens family was thrilled with their gifts. They are presently at the mall, trying to avoid each other as they exchange them. And speaking of the spirit of Christmas, Wesley, with only a few days left between him and a six-month grounding, is frantically trying to raise the money to cover Pamela's airfare. What he doesn't know is that I've already paid George Beck. But why should I tell him that? I mean, I love him. But that doesn't mean I can't have any fun. So it looks like the family is trying to avoid each other while they exchange their gifts at the mall. Wesley, of course, is grounded for the next six months as he tries to come up with the money to cover Pamela's airfare. And, of course, what Wesley doesn't know is... Belvedere already took care of that. He covered that money. But, of course, he's not going to tell Wesley that. <laughs> um, and Pamela and he parted it on good terms and said, hey, maybe in 40 years we'll see each other again. She's not going to be there 40 years from now. Um, <laughs> but this was a cute episode. I really, really liked it. As far as for the uh, Belvedere teacup rating, I'm going to... I'm going to give it a 3 out of... Five. The only thing that I didn't like, I didn't like the whole Poconos thing. I didn't really care for the whole Wesley one to do Hanukkah because he'd get more gifts. But the things I like, I liked that Wesley and Heather like jumped in to get Pamela to come for Belvedere to make him feel better and everything like that. And I love, you know, the, uh... <laughs> Belvedere and Pamela spending time together and then of course the family opening gifts and everything so that was it's a good episode as far as for Mr. Belvedere's biscuit bites I'm just gonna say for this episode you know thing you always hear is like it's not what you spend on a person it's the heart that you put into the gift that you give as long as it comes from your heart and it means so much so yeah I hope all of you have a wonderful Christmas have a, and a happy new year as well. Bye-bye. No! Touch! 
Don't touch that gift! I gotta wrap it still.